Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. A place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Happy June 1st. Can you believe it is June 1st? That, like I said before, I don't know whether I said it on the radio, perhaps I just said it on Facebook, but I really suggest you just get your Christmas tree out because that's what I feel like. I feel like, you know, just put the put the scarecrows out for Halloween, get the lights up, go buy your presents because you are going to wake up in the morning and it is going to be November 27th and you're going to think, what the heck just happened to this year? This is going by so quickly. And uh, welcome. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Um, I have a wonderful show uh, planned for you today and I have a wonderful guest as usual uh, for you today to listen to and we have a lot of things to discuss. So I'm not going to chit-chat too much, but I do want to remind you, um, I like to start out my show by quoting Albert Einstein. He said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And I have to say, today, you know, I always start out my show. You're going to be so surprised because I always start out my show by talking about the beautiful Weather that we're having, and you know what? We are having beautiful weather because it is cloudy, gray, and raining here, but I love it. Whenever I see that in the Pacific Northwest, I see I I just sigh a huge relief and know that I don't have to water my uh, planter boxes today, so I think that's fabulous. Um, Anyway, I have my heart just absolutely goes out for the people living in the Texas Houston area, the flooding that there, I, I can't imagine. I, I, it's just so devastating. Um, hearts and, and thoughts definitely go out uh, for those poor families that are experiencing that devastation today. Um, but here in the Northwest, we're, we're not getting a huge amount of rain. We're just getting that beautiful amount that you don't even notice. You just kind of carry on. And, and what I love the most about the Northwest is you never put your sweaters away. Uh, even, no matter how hot it is during the day, it always cools off at night. You open up your windows, and it's a, a most wonderful place to live. But don't move here. I think that's the rule. You can enjoy it, take a vacation, but you can't live here. I think that's what the, the rule is in Oregon or in Washington. Anyway, enough Jibber-jabber. I want to introduce you to my guest today, uh, my friend Marianne Barris. Uh, Marianne and her husband Dean and my husband and I have been friends for a long time. I was thinking the other day, it's been over 30 years. Um, and we kind of, you know, when you live in the Portland area, you kind of just run into each other. It's a, it, you know, Portland is a great city, but it, it feels like a small town. And we just would kind of bump into each other. We knew each other when we were both, you know, young married couples and we would bump into each other, uh, at different events. And, um, the, I hadn't seen Marianne for a long time. And then I had signed my son up for a camp a summer camp, and lo and behold, there was Marianne. And I remember thinking, what's Marianne doing here? And we found out quickly that we had something uh, very much in common, and that's having a child with a disability. And um, Marianne has, um, well, I'm going to let her tell you about it because uh, obviously she can tell you better than I. So Marianne, how are you today? I'm wonderful, Renee. I'm honored and happy to be here. 
Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you are taking time out of your schedule and and uh, sharing with the world. You know, uh, her daughter, Jessie, is uh, their fourth child. And Jesse has uh, what they call Angel Man Syndrome. So, Marianne, tell us about what Angel Man Syndrome is, how you found out that Jesse had this, and just kind of walk us through your whole, your uh, a little, you know, give us a little glimpse into what your life was like twenty um, something years ago. How about twenty seven years ago, to be exact? Okay. Okay, there you go. A couple years behind my guy. Well, yeah, so tell us the story. You have three children, and life is just skipping along beautifully. So tell us tell us what happened. So we have three children, and uh, I love being a mother, love even the little kid phase, which a lot of moms don't like, but I love that. And so uh, number four child was on her way. Um, the pregnancy was normal, nothing unexpected or unusual, and then uh, I had this beautiful little baby girl um, with blonde hair, and uh, when they put her in my arms, I thought I had the most beautiful baby in the world, and she was. She just was, she looked perfect in every way. Um, It wasn't long until we started noticing that she wasn't able to play with toys and transfer things in her hands. She, She was um, not sleeping well at night, and and a combination of things led us to start visiting some doctors. As we visited those doctors, they too were concerned, and uh, so they started some genetic testing on our daughter, Jessica, and she um, is missing a piece of her 15th chromosome, and uh, that results in sometimes two different conditions, one called Angelman syndrome, and one called Prater Willie, and uh, Jessica has the Angelman syndrome. Um, so through a series of testing and, and a wonderful geneticist that happened to live in the Portland area at the time, Jessica was one of the youngest to be ever diagnosed. Uh, usually this, this uh, syndrome wasn't that co- common at the time, and so people weren't very familiar with it, but this doctor happened to be. So she called us into her office. Um, it was two weeks before Christmas uh, when Jessica was about seven months old. And, of course, the Christmas tree was up, as you just mentioned. <laughs> and, uh, the kids were all excited. And um, we probably received the most devastating news that my heart never wanted to hear at that time, that she did ha- indeed have this Angelman syndrome. Uh, they sat us in the office and told us what our life would be like caring for her. Uh, they said she would never talk. She may never walk. She'd be severely mentally challenged and um, developmentally delayed. And uh, probably the hardest thing was they brought out pictures of adult people with Angelman syndrome and showed them to me right at that time. Oh, my gosh. And I, course, I was not prepared for that. Um, and uh, it was it was a hard, hard day. And went home and uh, had to think about all that right in the middle of the holiday season with three little children who love Christmas. Oh, my gosh. How old were your three children at the time? 
Let's see. Um, we had one that was a three-year-old and then one that was a six-year-old. Excuse me. Yep, that would have been right, six-year-old. And then one that was about an eight- or nine-year-old. Okay. And, you know, what is it about the – and I know studies have shown about, you know, the depression and – and everything that happens around the holidays, but it just seems like people get news like this around the holidays. You know, I, I very rarely do hear someone say, well, it was March 30th and we received this new, you know, it's always like the day before Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve or the first part of December. It just seems to be the time when people receive, receive devastating news, but Mary Ann, I cannot imagine. What was their demeanor when they're giving you this information? Well, I think they were um, doing their jobs as doctors and as yeah. scientists. And unless you've walked in somebody else's shoes or similar shoes, I shall say, yeah. and you can never fully appreciate uh, what something feels like. Right. So that's the compassion we have to have for everyone, but um, you can't you can't understand, and so I I don't you know I don't hold any you know ill will towards them at this point, but just ha- you know when I when I talk to people um, about how to how to break a diagnosis, I guess is best <laughs> lack of a better word to somebody. I will tell them, you know that you know be gentle. Don't give them more than they're ready to take at a time, and sometimes allow them to discover for themselves what the future holds, unless they ask. And when right. they ask, they do want to know. But sometimes you can give too much information um, about the troubles ahead, and that can be burdensome. Right. That's what I was thinking. I, I think I was probably blessed um, with the fact that they didn't, they couldn't really tell me when they gave me my diagnosis with my son, they couldn't really tell me to what degree his, to, you know, how severe his cerebral palsy was or what the future held. They, they no one ever gave me any kind of a timeline or anything like that. Um, they really didn't even know what his mental capacity was. And back then, you know, I, I was looking at like, well, come on, you guys, tell me, tell me something. But now speaking with you, I realize that probably was a blessing to have someone just give you some kind of a finality when reality is, is there, is, is it that cut and dry? Is it that black and white? Are all children with Angelman syndrome exactly the same? You know, they're not. They're, there's a span of um, capabilities. And I, you know, after a while, I developed my own approach to it all. I, I kind of, I, I won't say I dismissed what they said because, of course, you have to um, accept certain things at certain points in time that are that are a reality. But I, I began to look at Jessica as this unique, wonderful person, mm-hmm. and nobody was going to put her in a box for me, not even learned doctors or scientists. You know, I wasn't right. going to allow that. Right. And so uh, even the, you know, the the yearly IEPs that are required of people with disabilities. I, you know, I kind of always went to those with, uh, well, let's get this over with attitude and I have to do this for you. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just began to see her as, um, you know, something, someone very unique, special. She's going to be different. Um, she's, 
she's got her own gifts that are only hers. You know, nobody else can smile like her. Nobody else can laugh like her. Um, you know, so I, uh, nobody else can give hugs quite the same. Nobody's uh, as non-judgmental as her that I know. Right, and, right. So, you know, I, I began to see her in those ways, and I, I, just, I just wasn't going to measure her by the measuring stick that uh, the rest of the world would put by her, a number like, you're only going to be capable as a one-and-a-half-year-old. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't, I, I just, I kind of refused to think that way. Right, right. But as a result, <clears throat> Deb really was one of the youngest people with Angelman syndrome uh, to walk that we know of at the time mm. um, and a big part of that is my kids they they just uh-huh. played with her and worked with her and and she learned to walk at about two and a half years old so wow wow and, and she's just you know she continues to learn at she's 27 mm-hmm. and um, this is kind of funny she, she just learned how to knock so oh. I mean, such a simple thing you know we learn how to knock when we're really young but she just learned how to knock on things. So she loves to knock on the wall and on the door. <laughs> and, you know, you wouldn't think that's a cute thing, but to us, right. we just as cute as can be. You know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Marianne, let's take a break. Um, I want to give my uh, callers an, an opportunity to... Um, take all of this in. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk some more with Marianne Barris and she's talking about her daughter Jessica who has Angelman syndromes. Welcome back to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Here's Renee Steelman. Thank you. Thank you for coming back and thank you for joining me this morning on Heaven Sent and Bent. If you would like to hear this broadcast again, you can download the podcast. I always post it on my uh, blog page, which is uh, www.heavenandnot.com. So I will be posting it there. I post the podcast also on my Facebook page, which is Heaven Sent, Facebook slash Heaven Sent and bent, I think. Um, so, or you can even give me a call, 503-869-6421. Give me a call if you would like to be a guest on the show. If you have a story that you would like to share with others, I would love to, I'd love to chat with you. Um, but this morning I'm talking with a friend of mine, Marianne Barris, who has a 27-year-old daughter, Jessica. And Marianne, you mentioned that, um, after Jessica was born, they placed this baby in your arms, and, and you noticed that she was very fair. And you and your husband are not fair. Um, did that? Were you like, oh, that's interesting? I mean, was that a, a, a sign, or, or is that something that made you question what the heck was going on at first? No, I know that is a um, that is a common condition of people with Angelman syndrome. But no, I just thought I had this beautiful, fair angel, um, and uh, I just, because we do have one daughter that is blonde, believe it or oh, not. Oh, okay, now, now okay. She, now, now she's blonde, as a child, now she's blonde with the help of uh, a visit to a salon, but she, when she was young. What? Not- no way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I really didn't, uh, there wasn't anything at that point that 
threw any concern for me. And, of course, you wouldn't think so. I mean, you wouldn't even know that Angelman syndrome people tend to be fair or light complexion. That was, I'd never even heard of it before. So yeah, was, that was interesting. When I was doing some research, I thought that was interesting, that that was a sign for another family that the uh, the doctor looked at the, his blonde hair and blue eyes, and that was kind of what cued him in to perhaps do some more research. So the chromosome, then we have a genetic issue. So did you then undergo some genetic testing, you and Dean? Um, actually, we did not. Okay. We could have, I guess, if we wanted to, um, but we didn't. We uh, we were pretty emotionally rattled for a while, and we, uh, you know, we were young and well, seemingly young. Right. We, you know, we just were trying to take it all in, and um, on top of that, she she did not sleep well at night. I mean, almost yeah. really, I'm up every hour, and so that. Uh, coupled with exhaustion and uh, just the uncertainty of a future with uh, right. how to care for her. And we we were surviving day to day at that time. We mm-hmm. were just barely, barely making it, if even that, I would have to say. So. Right. I was going to ask you, what, what kind of a baby? So she had a hard time sleeping. What about eating? Did she eat well or, or what, what, what were the biggest struggles as an infant? Yeah, I I was a nursing mother for all my kids, and I, of course, tried very hard to do that with her as well and was successful until she started having seizures. And uh, as she had those seizures, she would bite down. So we had to stop nursing at about seven months, which I'm surprised I made it that far. Yeah. But but I have to tell you a story that's pretty amazing, that, that what happened in the process of that very first hard year, um, she did not sleep very well at all, and, and uh, coupled with the depression I was feeling and just everything, I lost the ability to go to sleep. I literally couldn't. I would lay there at night. I would be so tired, exhausted, and I, but I could not go to sleep. And um, I, I, at that time, I w- wasn't a big believer in taking sleeping pills. Uh, maybe I should have, but I didn't. And so here's a wonderful thing that happened. I have a father-in-law who would come over at 10 o'clock at night, and he, for a month, would take our little daughter, Jessie, and tend her downstairs in, in a leather bedroom in the lower part of our house for the first from 10 until 2 a.m. And then my husband would get up and go down from 2 a.m., to 7 a.m. and stay with Jesse, and by that time she was taking bottles, and they did that for a month until I learned how to sleep again. Oh my and gosh! From my 70-year-old father-in-law, if you can believe that. Wow, <laughs> that is I, that's a fabulous, that's a, an amazing, amazing story, a blessing. Wow. I think of that especially on Father's Day. Oh my gosh! I, I will always for the rest of my life. So with yeah. the morning of day, and that that father-in-law of mine is going to be—he's ninety-four. He just birthday. <gasps> so wow, so he's still with us. But um, <clears throat> now, where was your mother-in-law? She she was at home. She would okay. stay at home in the home, and but he he would sacrifice 
that time every night and show up about 10 o'clock and go downstairs with her in the downstairs bedroom. And it, it was just, uh, I mean, I, I just can't believe that, you know, I, I think about yeah. it now. And it was amazing to me. Well, now, so. what, um, you know, I, I, that's an amazing story. I, what did it take for for you? Because I'm sure the problem was you couldn't turn your brain off. You you felt like you needed to be hearing every squeak, every breath, everything that she did. And you, what what was it? How long did it take for you to finally let your brain go and say somebody else is in charge? Let it go. How long did it take for you to get back into a sleeping routine? It was a solid. It was a solid month that they <sighs> they kept that routine up until I, until I finally could learn to sleep again, and um, it was it it was uh, you know a process and right as, as going through anything hard is um, you know something something that where your where your earth shifts in a day you know yeah. With, Something that happens, a tragic event or news, all of a sudden, everything changes, and the world is different, and life is different. Um, right. Sometimes my mother passed away right after, actually, two days after Thanksgiving. There's another holiday story for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just this past year, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you know, in an instant, your life is different. And mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of adjustment that happens, and... A lot of changing, and and you 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 know it's a it's a process. It, it takes time. It takes a lot of uh, patience. It takes a lot of. It's faith. just what enduring. It's what when they talk about enduring, that's what enduring is is all about. And it's what you know. Don't you you know when people say to you, uh, you know, how do you do it or whatever? Don't you just want to say, what well, I didn't have a choice. I mean, it's like saying, oh, you breathe every day? How do you do that? I mean, breathing, wow, how do you do that? It just is. It is what it is. You you do it because you have to do it, you know? Um, actually, actually, I want to say something about that. You know, Renee, you do have a choice. And I had a choice. Uh, we could have walked away. Uh, and, uh, so, you know. That's when, true. When somebody, that's true. When somebody says that, you know, how do you do it, uh, don't. Um, don't discount what you do every day um, for another person, for their comfort, for their happiness, or because you love them. Um, because we could have walked away. We could have. We could have. Um, in fact, one of the doctors, when they when they told us how severe Jesse's handicap would be, mm-hmm. um, he said, "You're resourceful people. You'll know what to do." Oh. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that at first, but I, I kind of thought he said he was almost telling us at the time. He felt like he was telling us, you need to find a good place for her and get on with right. your life. Right, and, uh, right. You know, so, so yeah, you know, we, how do you do it? Um, you, we, we both, you and I both know we do it a day at a time. Yeah. Some days are, some days are harder than other days. Right. Some days are joyous. You have just joyous days. I mean, days yeah. where you're like, this, I, I couldn't live without this person. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I love what I've learned from them. I love how I feel around them. I love this experience. And then there's other days where you're like, my life is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's amazing when you're having the good days. 
And you're thinking that you're above it. You're thinking, I, I've got it now. I've got it. I've got a great attitude. We're just, we've just really got it. And then something happens, like you say, maybe you've had, you know, you didn't get enough sleep or, or they get sick or there's just something that happens and you're right kind of back down to, holy crud, I have to do this the rest of my life. Because I, 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 I from what I've understood, there, there isn't a shortened lifespan with Angelman syndrome. She is expected to live a, a full adult life. Is that what you you were told? Yes. So yeah. So we're in it for the long haul. Um, yeah. And and you're right. You know, there's there's times you're humbled right back down, and it'll be something so insignificant that'll humble you. Um, right. I have a friend who lives down the street who has a. A son born the same month our daughter Jessie was born. Mm. And, uh, you know, watching his milestones in his life, you know, mm-hmm. and all the things he's done, and knowing that, you know, these these kids were born just a month apart, you know, sometimes something that simple uh, will just say, oh, you know. Yeah. And, and then, and then I, I remember something that helps me most, and I... I after Jesse was born and I, I did go through a depression, I went into a ca- few little bit of counseling. And, you know, this is something people do all the time. And uh, But she told me at the time that on my worst days, on my hard days, I need to write down three things I'm grateful for. Hmm. And this was before gratitude journals and, you know, all right. those things. And, and she, and I'll tell you... Uh, Right at the hardest time, I remember writing three times, the roses are pretty today. Oh. You know, the roses are pretty today. Jesse was born in April, so the spring Mm -hmm. flowers were out. And all I could write was the same thing three times because I honestly couldn't think of anything, uh, you know, positive to say about that day at at my worst. But I've, I've taken that and I've used it, you know, for these last 27 years. Mm-hmm. And on the hard days, I say, okay, this is hard, but what have I got around me that mm-hmm. that is a blessing and that's wonderful right. and that carries, right. that supports me. And so I, you know, I say, okay, I, I you know, I can't have every dream I've dreamed. Mm-hmm. I can't be everything I wanted to be. Um, but, but what do I have and what mm-hmm. can I do and what can I be? So I, I just... Right. I've learned that uh, that that's really helped me in so many ways. So I, I yeah. do that. That's exercise. Right. You know what's funny about that, though? Even, uh, you know, even something as simple as exercise, um, you know, people will say, uh, well, I get up at 530 in the morning. I need to get my exercise in in the morning, um, you know, so that I can get out with my day. And And, and you think to yourself, Yes, that is a fabulous idea. Tomorrow, I am getting up at 5.30 in the morning, and and I swear it's like my son has a sixth sense, and that is the day that I'll walk down the hall, you know, open the bedroom door, walk down the hall, and I hear, Mama, Mama, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did you know I was awake? I was trying to tiptoe, and then on other days... It's like, you know, 8.30 in the morning and I'm peeking in there going, are you going to wake up today? What's going on, you know? So it's like little things, like you say, little goals that, that other people take for granted, you know, that you you want to set for yourself, and they kind of get squashed a lot. 
And that's hard after 27 years to constantly have little goals or little things that you think you're going to do and then have someone else go, oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Forget that, you know. I know exactly how you feel. And I know about that sixth sense they have, too. Like when you have a plan, they have another plan for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, there's no question that the sacrifice is constant. It's yeah. continuous. But, you know, I, I do find that there are rewards to sacrifice. Yeah. How well, would you say, Marianne, how would you say, I know you mentioned that the fact that she had, you know, three siblings, and then you actually had another child after. Uh, what was that like? You guys must have had to do a lot of searching, pondering, and praying to decide whether you brought another child into this mix with, you know, as, as time consuming as Jesse was. Tell us about how you decided to do that. Well, um, I have a strong belief in God, and I as you say, was an overwhelmed mother. I thought our family was complete. And uh, one day my husband came home and said, I just had an amazing experience. And I said, what? Jesse was six years old at the time. He said, I'm driving in my truck, and I felt like that we should have another child. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think I can do that. He said, I feel like there's another child that's supposed to come to our family. And I, and I almost was like, you don't understand how hard yeah. my life is, you know. And yeah. uh, within a week, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was, it was uh, we were not trying. We were not planning. It was something... Uh, I, in fact, this sounds a little strange, but I still have the little pregnancy test because I, I saved it all these years, you know, those little things you take. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I still have that um, because it was such a surprise to us. And yes, that girl uh, that we had after our Jessica's name is Taylor. She's 21 now. And yeah, I think the Lord works in mysterious ways. It was a very healing experience to have her, um, and it was it was tough, yeah, to to, to cover all the bases. But we, uh, I, I found with people when you when you have challenges in your life, never stop looking for solutions mm-hmm. because they will be out there if you will keep trying to find them. So we had, you know, we had all kinds of challenges. Uh, meeting all our kids' needs and being parents to to them, and and so we we looked for solutions. We we built a home that had room for somebody to come and stay with us and help us. We offered them um, rent free to live there uh, and um, a little bit of salary at the time for for helping out, and that has um, helped and supported us in, in the way we. Uh, want to be parents and grandparents over these 27 years. So, right. And, and, you know, not just that big of a solution, but even little solutions. Like, I, I remember trying to figure out, Jesse would always undo her seatbelt in the car. Oh. So I'm like, uh oh, how am I going to keep her in this car, you know, and keep mm-hmm. her safe in this car? So, you know, I, I had to get out my little sewing machine and I 
sewed a special seatbelt out of webbing and those little backpack clips. You know, I, I went to the fabric store and bought those, and I made my own seatbelt, you know, that right. keeps her in, in the car. And so, you know, little things like that, I think, you know, when we come across, you know, really challenging times, we... We get down on our knees, we pray, and we keep looking until we find the solution. We don't feel powerless. That, that's right. the thing we can't give in to is uh, the, uh-oh, I'm stuck here. we we, we gotta we got to work, work, work until we find a solution to that. Right. And I think for. that's a I think that's a great message, Marianne, that that um, that's one of the tools that really does help you to survive is being the master of your own ship, you know, saying um, this is my problem. And you know, not that you don't accept help from other people or, 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 or you know, because you have to, like you said, you said, um, but but that 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 surge of adrenaline that you get when you decide you're going to try and solve your own problem really kind of helps you get through a lot of the uh, and then the accomplishment that you feel that, you know, when you have kind of figured out something and and um I don't know about you but you know you you kind of at the end you kind of go okay I know medical school is 12 years with a residency and a fellowship and an internship I deserve a doctorate because I have figured this all out myself and you were not very much help over there so so you know it does kind of give you a little feeling of accomplishment and and self-worth and and uh it's 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 kind of a marvelous thing in a way. Um, <clears throat> what did you feel like? Because I know that, you know, what was the difference? I, I'm just comparing. If you had the same uh, experience that I did, when the children were old enough to start school and you had that free time from, you know, 7.30, 8.30 in the morning until 2.30, 3.30 in the afternoon, tell us about, did you have that where they where they turned 21 and they're no longer in the school system and suddenly you and Jesse are looking at each other going, well, crud, now what are we going to do? Tell, did you have that? Of course, yes. Yeah. Of course I did. And, and um, you know, the last day that little yellow bus drives away, uh, again, the earth shifts, you know. And, right. And, and now there's a whole other life to be lived. But, you know, I, I, I worried about it. I knew it would be hard. But I knew we would adjust. I right. knew we would figure out a way to make, um, to to still make a life and to carry on. And I knew that, you know, like that doctor said, we are resourceful people. And, and you know, we so we have done that. We have, um, we still have a caregiver that lives here in the apartment that we built by our house. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we have, uh, we've included a couple other people in her life that have, she's met through Parks and Rec programs in the, um, to, to our city here, and they one one gal takes her every Thursday afternoon, and they go bowling with another client of hers, so another person. So they they have a little a little group they go bowling with, and she does that on Thursdays. On Tuesday mornings, she goes out with uh, another lady that we met through her caseworker, who's just wonderful and couldn't be more wonderful. So she has a, a you know we're trying to give her a diversity. Uh, we do have grandchildren around, so that's wonderful to have them come and be part of her life, and mm-hmm. she loves that. And and so we we've tried to you know keep her life diversified as much as we can. Although there right. are those 
Saturday afternoons, you know, that come around and it's a little bit rainy outside and what do you do, you know? Um, So, yeah, there's always those times when you, uh, when you wish there was more in her life, but, um, what do you do on Sundays? I know, I know you attend church, uh, and it's a long, it's a long day. What, what do you do on Sundays as far as, um, take it? Do you take Jessica to church with you or how do you work that? Yeah, she has, um, well, here's another story. When she was younger, I, uh, when she was probably about six years old, she was terrible at pulling hair. I was able to go to church with her until she was about five. And, um, at the time she, she would pull people's hair. So sitting even in the benches at church, I was always so afraid she'd reach up and pull somebody's hair right in front of us. And, you know, she just went through a stage where that was really a challenge for her. Um, and so I, we take her to the first hour of church. And then when we broke into classes, um, there was some wonderful young women who would volunteer to go home and stay with her the next two hours. Oh. They would, they would pick her up at church and uh, take her home. And then we'd go to a few more classes at church. And then we would come home uh, and they would be there. And they, uh, I still this day have some of them write me and thank me for that experience that they oh. had with her, which is remarkable if you think about it. Because it right. couldn't have been easy for them, and it was a sacrifice for them. And I think that was probably one of the times where I had to let somebody else help me because I had, I had less. I I got to teach lessons at church, and so oh. um, it was either accept the help or not teach the classes I'd been asked to teach. Right. And um, it was it was one of those times. You know, I couldn't pay them; they didn't want to be paid. It was, uh, it was, I had to accept help and that was hard for me. That, that, right. was, that was hard. You know, I can accept help if somebody, if I pay them, but you know, accepting right. help and let it be pure service was, was challenging. But we carried on that way for, I would say maybe three, three or four years. And then Jessie grew out of her, her, some of her behaviors and now she's able to make it through three hours of church, believe it or not, and wow. I, I bring a few things to entertain her. She does like her iPad with pictures of all the grandkids and family on it. Oh, yeah. Different things like that help us make it through church. So. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you know, people will, um, you know, speak negatively about the iPad pads but doggone it i mean they are a lifesaver for children with that have lots of different challenges um the just you know having that those pictures the visuals and and the way i look at it is you know we used to cart around bags full of cards and games and toys and and things like that to keep our kids you know interested or or occupied and now we just bring around this little machine so it's it's just it's just a difference in technology you know it's versus flashcards versus the ipad but what's what are the typical um uh, what is a typical struggle that you have? I mean, like daily, like, um, 
is she, does she have a hyperactivity? Is there attention deficit? Are there outbursts or is she, does she have sensory difficulties or what are your greatest challenges when you take her out just to go grocery shopping or maybe just go to the mall or something like that? What are some things you, you can't do and some things that you can do because of, like you said, bringing along an iPad or something? You know, my Jessie doesn't have any words at all. Um, oh. You know, she can't say mom, dad. She can't say a single word. She can make sounds. Uh-huh. And she does so with great um, vigor at times. So she can make sounds, but not a And do those word. sounds have meanings? I mean, does she make a certain sound that you know is like she's addressing you? Or, or what have you done with those sounds? You know, she, she just... Uh, her sounds are pretty generic, just kind of a uh sound. Okay. And, uh, you know, she, she, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much an attention getting way. And, you know, when she'll wander around in the house or go upstairs and I haven't seen her for 20 minutes, you know, I'll make that sound. You know, I'll call her name and then I'll make that sound and she'll answer me back. <laughs> oh, wow. She's learned things like that, but she doesn't have any words. And so, you know, the hard thing is, like you mentioned, when when she gets sick, um, mm-hmm. you know, if 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 something's not comfortable with her, um, you know, if she were to get an earache or you know even a stomach ache, she can't tell me any of those things. And so, mm-hmm. as a mother, I've had to learn to be, of course, incredibly intuitive, but I mm-hmm. also try to go, you know, a little bit the extra mile for her comfort because she can't tell me where she's not comfortable. You know, if there's a rock in her shoe, for heaven's sake, she can't even tell me that. So right, um, right. I, think, I think challenging places to go are really anywhere public. Jessie, she's very a very happy, very loving person, which is just incredible. But she'll be at the mall. We're walking down the mall, and she'll see somebody from a distance that might look like her grandpa or her dad. Oh. And she, she's exactly my same height, which is 5'8". She weighs a little more than I do, which I'm not going to say our weight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> we'll pass on that one. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> she can charge it off towards that person and want to give them the biggest tug. And, you know, I have to employ every bit of physics I know to try to sometimes stop her, you know, pull her on her, you know, to try to keep her because she's, she's not a small girl. Right. So, um, you know, those kind of socially things that are might be a little bit inappropriate that, you know, she doesn't understand because from a distance she just thought it was her grandpa, you know. Yeah, right, um, right. If that's happened where she'll just go and hug a stranger. And, oh. <laughs> uh, but you know, that, that in some ways, some people react so positively to it. It's amazing and how gracious people are to me. And you've probably noticed this to you as well. Um, I mean, one of my favorite stories I love to tell my grandkids is I'm walking towards the mall with Jessie that particular day. I had her in her wheelchair because if I'm going to be a while, I do that. And um, it was pouring rain. In the Northwest, it does that. And <laughs> he's probably 10 years old. And he saw me walking towards the mall door. It was pouring rain. And he was going the other direction. Well, he stopped right in his tracks, turns around, runs to the door to open it for me. 
And I, I've had that happen to me time and time again, as you probably have, you know, big biker mm-hmm. dudes and leather things, just, you know, going the extra mile to yeah. help you out, you know, because they see, they see your needs. And right. my, my Jessie has this, she really does have an incredible smile. So I'll, she'll be, I'll be pushing her down the mall and she's smiling at everyone. They, and they look back, they don't quite know how to take it because they'll look at her and they, they don't know why she's smiling that way at them, you know, and then they realize, okay, she's, you know, she's a little special. She's a little different, but they don't know that until they look at her for a little while. And so here's, right. here's this person smiling at them. And it's kind of fun for us to just watch people's reactions, you know, Yeah. watch them. What do I do with this girl just smiling so big at me? <laughs> what right, do I do with right. And that's exactly right. And it, it, you know, it really does give you faith in humanity and it, it, it lets you know how much goodness there really is out there in the world because it, it does. It just, you just can't help but smile when you see what these kids do to the world and how they bring out the best in others. And it lets you know that, you know, um, not, I always go back and forth, you know, you know, not that it's their, their their purpose or you know whatever I I don't know if I believe that or not that their purpose you know um, but they but they have a purpose and I don't know if that was meant to be their their trial or their their life existence but they have a purpose and they and they do serve you know we serve them but then they serve others by by like you say bringing joy into people's hearts or making other people grateful I mean even if it's something as much as having people go by and go I should be more grateful for the life that I have. Even if it's something as simple as that, then it's like, okay, well, it is what it is. Um, what do you, what do you, I know you mentioned before how your children, because she had uh, older brothers and sisters, you know, helped her walk. Don't you find it amazing what having siblings does for these kids? You know, uh, I even see that with my daughter who has, she's been able to finally join us. She's been traveling, you know, they used to live in Texas and then my, her husband's job took them to China and to Spain and to Saudi Arabia for a brief amount of time. So they've never really had an opportunity to be around family for a long time. You know, they would come in the summer. Now that they're here all the time, her little guy who is autistic is just blossoming because of the interaction that he has with these crazy cousins that are his age that they don't, you know, they don't look at him and go, oh, you know, Levi is autistic. They're like, hey, dude, get over here. Come on. Or, you know, they, you know, they want him to run and play. And isn't it amazing what siblings and cousins will do for these kids? Oh, you know, I, I think our, my kids have taught me so much that way. I, what another Another mall story. Not that I'm at the mall all the time. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, what are we going to do today? Yeah, it's the mall. Yeah. We're at the mall again. And this was when Jessie was probably four. She was just, her walking was just getting pretty, pretty secure. And, and my daughter, who's a little bit older, she's, her name's Alyssa. She's, uh, she was probably 10 or 12 at the time. She's like, Mom, let's, let's let Jessie out of her stroller. Let's let her walk. And, you know, my first instinct was, oh, no, I don't want to do that because, you know, everybody will see that she's mm-hmm. four years old and barely can walk. And, you know, but but Alyssa was, you know, oh, you know, let's let her walk. And so, yeah, my kids have been amazing, brave and 
You know, this is just the life they know. You know, unlike you and I, who probably grew up without this, um, these kind of challenges. This is their life. This is all they know. That you 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 care for somebody instinctively. Um, I have a daughter, Cammy, that's just three years older than Jesse. She would never get up as a teenager, even, and go get herself, you know, a bowl of ice cream unless she brought some for Jesse too. You know, oh, just, yeah. Which is second nature to always think of Jesse and that, that same daughter when she went away to college her freshman year, the, the fact that she didn't have somebody to help and serve, she actually went and found somebody in her area where she was going to college that had a child with a disability that she could go and work for them because she couldn't. Oh my gosh. She just couldn't, um, uh, feel like her life was as meaningful and as purposeful if she didn't, if she missed the, the caregiving, the loving, the helping so much that she went and sought it out on her own and, mm-hmm. um, and did that her freshman year at college. So. Wow. You know, that's so true. And it's a skill. It's something that you can't teach because if you tried to teach it, sometimes, you know, kids will build up resentment or whatever. But it's something that, like you say, it just has to, it just comes because that's part of their family. And, and I know my kids, you know, the same thing. They've used, you know, uh, their relationship with him for essays or term papers or college applications. And it just has taught them a skill that, as a parent, I couldn't have really... I mean, you can make sandwiches, you can take them down to the homeless, and it can, you, know, you can work at food banks, and you can teach your children how to serve the community. But by having someone in your home that requires it, it's a life and death, it's a, it's a survival thing, um, it teaches them something that is just, you know, invaluable. It just, it's just so, it is such a blessing. And, and I know, and, and I'll have to ask you the same thing, it's people say, um, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you pass away? Who's going to take care of Jesse and, and who's going to take care of TJ? And I just say, my children are. And they'll say, well, do you think that's fair? You know, and I always go, oh, I, it's not my, I, I didn't, wasn't my idea. It was, that was their idea. You know, they, they, they wouldn't, they couldn't think of anything else that they would rather do. And, and that's just, you know, happens to work out for our family. It might not work out for every family, but it is another blessing of having somebody in your home like that. I think it's where, you know, in the old days, um, and in other, other countries, uh, oh, the old people, the grandparents live in the home and the children get a sense of what it's like to take care of people as they age. And, and, you know, we've all become, you know, so independent and self, self, you know, caring that we, we've lost that in this country. And so now we have to reach out of our homes and search for it. Um, so in a way, that's kind of another blessing for sure. Well, I think, I think all of us sometimes get a chance come face-to-face with our own selfishness, if you will. Um, And, you know, it's it's human nature to be selfish. We're all self-preservationists. We, you know, it's just first instinct. But, um, you know, there is, there is a, there is a higher purpose. There is, there is better that we can do and be. And, you know, having, having these children in our home, or any other challenges, you know, where you have to really be unselfish mm-hmm. for the sake of someone else mm-hmm. on a regular basis is 
it's really a pretty remarkable thing that it, it changes you as a person. It does. You can't deny it. It makes you better. And, um, and you, you always, and, and you deep inside, you know that, you know, right. um, all these other thoughts that sometimes jump into your head of, oh, it, it could have been different and, oh, I wish I could do that or be that. Deep inside, you know that, um, something is happening inside you that's higher and better than that. Um, you're becoming less selfish and a more loving, serving person, and, and there's joy in that. There's, right. you know, if, if we didn't have this chance to do that, um, I, I think we would, at least I feel like I personally would have missed something in life that I should have really accomplished. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, another thing I say is, um, you know, caring for Jesse you know, you caring for TJ, we will never have a, a day that's totally trivial or meaningless or a waste of time. You know, those days don't exist for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have some fun days where we're, we have leisure or relaxation, but, but you know, our life never will be um, inconsequential or trivial because we do, we do something really purposeful. And... Um, you know, I remind myself of that all the time, and I, sometimes I need to. You know, I remind right. myself this: this is a this is a purposeful, wonderful thing that we do. And yes, it wasn't what I dreamed of doing with my life. Um, right. Um, but you know, like you say, we we did, or I say, I have a choice, and I, right. I, choose, I really do choose this. I, I choose to be her mom and be her be her comfort, be her support and her caregiver as long as she's mine. Yeah, that's beautiful. Marianne, you have just touched my heart and I I hope that you you know, I'm sure that your words will touch many other hearts as I as I put this podcast out there because you have definitely um enlightened I think our day by the you know, your words have definitely touched me, like you say, to, to think that even on the days that I feel badly because I've, you know, taken in every Turner classic movie that was available, you know, because like you say, the weather is bad and the thought of having to, you know, get the wheelchair out and go someplace and find a place to park. And you're like, yeah, I'm not, I don't have the strength to do that today. And so you do have those days where you think, what a waste, what a waste, what I could have done, what I could have accomplished. But then to think that, but I'm up every two hours, you know, feeding him or, or whatever. Or you're entertaining Jesse or you, you're helping her. And so no matter, even if we have lazy days, just to remind us and to remind all of us that when you're serving, you know, you're serving a purpose is just, it's exactly why I, you know, wanted to have this show and to let people know what a, a blessing trials and adversity really can be. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your family story today, and and um, I hope to. I would, you know, you indeed. <laughs> we swear we're going to get together sometimes, but now we have grandchildren, so our lives have even become more complicated. But someday we will do this. <laughs> someday would be fun. Would be so much fun. And it thank would you be for this chance. I, you know, my heart gets filled with all these thoughts and feelings, and I, I hope I, I like I said, I do hope somebody. Um, this is a helpful to somebody out there. Right, right. Thank you so much. All right, you have a good day. You and Jesse have a great day. Thank you. Bye, Renee. Bye-bye. 
Oh, I'm so, I am so grateful to Marianne for sharing her wisdom with us. And, and I, I think that's something that, um, you know, we all, I think everyone goes through it, no matter what your life situation is, where you had dreams, you had hopes, you know, you had things that, um, what you thought your life was going to be like. And that takes a turn, whether it's because of a loss of employment or a physical injury or a death or many, many reasons why what you thought your life was going to be like and somehow your pages are, are going to be written differently. Um, and sometimes it's fun to just sit back and go, oh, I, I didn't think this, but let's sit, sit back and see what perhaps a higher power uh, had, in, had in store for me. And maybe I'm not in charge. Maybe I need to let... Um, someone else be in charge of, of the way my life should be. Um, again, I want to close with one of, my, one of my favorite quotes. I know it's kind of silly, but I love Mark Twain, and I love how he says, you know, go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company. And sometimes life on earth is hell. Let's just be honest. And, um, you know, but we can find joyous friends uh, and company and, and acquaintances like Marianne who help us get through the struggles, who help us get through the hell on earth and somehow make it a heaven. And I hope that's what you find this week. I hope you can find some joy in your adversity and some peace and some company and a little bit of heaven in your struggles. Have a great week and we'll talk again next Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 